Welcome to Random But Memorable, a podcast from 1Password. I'm Rue, Head of Password Manager Development. I'm Matt Davey, 1Password's Chief Experience Officer. I'm Sarah, one of the founders at 1Password. I'm Anna, the producer behind the show. And we're the hosts behind Random But Memorable. Together, we offer up bi-weekly security advice, interview special guests from the cybersecurity community, and round up the latest security news in Watchtower Weekly. Plus, we may even play a silly security game or two. So sit back, enjoy the show. We missed you, Sarah, in, in Vancouver. Yes. It was it was me and Rue. I didn't even know there was an opportunity. To, and I was like, I saw the pictures and I was like, oh, man, that's where all the cool kids are. I was very disappointed. It looked we like you guys had a great time. had a schedule of work that was so intense, I did not see daylight outside. <laughs> it was really something. We went out and, and took photos in Vancouver and started at what, six? Six in the morning, every morning. Matt and I are walking the streets. You will see some things in Vancouver at six in the morning. Uh... <laughs> really? <Yes. laughs> but we had a good time. We did have a good time. It was our usability week. It was like, this is that's our focus this year for the password manager is usability. And so it was a really intense three days where we had a bunch of people show up from around the company and basically say, this is everything that's wrong with one password today. And then we spent the next couple of days planning how to fix it. So it'll be a good year if we can pull this off, I think. I think it's sometimes, you know, as a user, sometimes it seems like nobody's thinking about like, does anyone actually use this product? So I think it's nice to have people who are like, okay, this is going to make it easier for our current users to use it and really focus on like making those little tweaks and refinements to make things flow smoother, make everything easier, make it easier for us to sort of say, hey, I really do need you to use one password. Can you like do that and get your friends, families, whoever to start using it? So I think it's great to be able to focus on all that kind of stuff. I think it's really important. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. It was really nice. So it has been a while, but I think we should get into some Watchtower Weekly. This is named after 1Password's Watchtower feature, where we like to alert our users to any important data breaches, weak passwords, and even where you can now add a passkey. So in this segment, we like to dig up some latest security news that we think is important or interesting to share and give our thoughts on it. So to kick off our first episode of the new season, we have, I don't know whether you saw this article, but it was everywhere, the mother of all breaches, which is 26 billion records. So I, I think this is a great way to start, start the new show. This news broke during the break, but it was so colossal we wanted to cover it, as the leak contains data from numerous previous breaches and astonishing 12 terabytes of information, spanning over a mind-boggling 26 billion records, as I said. The leak, which contains LinkedIn, Twitter, Adobe, Dropbox, Canva, Tencent, Telegram, and other platforms, it's the largest ever discovered. But I kind of say that with a weird caveat because, like, I'm fairly certain probably 95% of this is already in the mix. It's just a brand new thing. Yeah, that was kind of the buried lead here. And, and that's why I think, like, this has made some news rounds, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much of it is actually new data that has been leaked. There's certainly some. So there are data leaks and then, you know, there's the super massive mother of all breaches, which is what this has kind of been labeled as by the press. And even though the first owner of the database was unknown, Leak Lookup is a data breach search engine. And it said that the holder of the leak data set posted a message on X, I'm not calling it X, Twitter, saying that the problem was the leak was behind a firewall misconfiguration, which was then fixed. You can check if your data was in this exposed data breaches by using the Cyber News Data Leak Checker, or it's been loaded into Have I Been Pwned as well now. So according to the team, while the leaked data set contains mostly information from past data breaches, it almost certainly holds new data that was not published before. So lots of other little smaller breaches kind of grouped up together. Researchers have said the data set is extremely dangerous as threat actors could leverage the aggregated data for a wide range of attacks, including identity theft, sophisticated phishing schemes, targeted cyber attacks, and unauthorized access to personal and sensitive accounts. Basically, it just like gives more access to this to a lot of other people as well. According to the researchers, the consumer impact of the supermassive 
Moab, as they've been calling it, could be unprecedented. Since many people reuse usernames and passwords, that's not news, malicious actors could then embark on a tsunami of credential stuffing attacks. The number of metaphors <laughs> in the reporting of this nearly matches the number of records, I think. <laughs> if users use the same password for their Netflix account as they do for their Gmail account, attackers can use this to pivot towards other, more sensitive accounts. Apart from that, users whose data have been included in the supermassive Moab may become victims of spear phishing attacks. Was it a slow news day when this came out? Like, <laughs> I think people jumped on the fact that they could use the word Moab. Oh. And they were like, oh, this is an acronym. Let's ride this pony all the way to the finish line. Everybody just jumped on it and went. Yeah. I'm impressed you actually said it because I know certain someone has refused to say the acronym. <laughs> Correct. Yes. They went acronym happy in this article. And I was like, nope, that's a, that's a bridge too far. We're not doing this. We do have a great <laughs> blog post on some advice on what you can do if you're included in here or any other of the breaches that has happened in history. I'm actually checking Watchtower right now. I do think this is an opportunity to exactly. I think, you know, I and try not to get into like the advertising side of like 1Password and all the great things we do. But like... Watchtower is super valuable. And I think just being able to go in there, double check, make sure what's been included, not included, check your Watchtower score. Like it's super valuable just to have that reassurance, that peace of mind that, you know, you didn't have anything caught up in this, I should say, because it's very much struck me as like, you know, when the new books are coming out and you're like, OK, I'm going to get the new one and you get the new one. If you just, you know, wait a couple years, you know, Costco will have it in a nice box set. And you just pick up all of them at once. Like, this just strikes me as, like, the Costco edition of all the breaches. Like, <laughs> That's so good. I love it. Can you go to Costco and grab the box set? <laughs> oh, dear. Right? Like, Data breach, the box set edition. Exactly. Like, it's got a fancy cover. There's, a, like, a, a nice little insert that's got, like, the bonus material. You know, iTunes extras. <laughs> but it's it's the same thing. There's a little bonus material in this. But, yeah, it's it's mostly box set. That's what I'm here for, is to break the news down into Costco shopper size varieties. <laughs> I love it. I think it's brilliant. Oh, dear. So this next one, the NCSC, which is the National Cyber Security Center, warns that AI is already being used by ransomware gangs. Uh, in a newly published report, the UK's National Cyber Security Center has warned that malicious attackers are already taking advantage of an artificial intelligence and that the volume and impact of threats, including ransomware, will increase in the next two years. NCSC, which is part of GCHQ, the Government Communications Headquarters, the UK's Intelligence, Security and Cyber Agency, they've assessed that AI has enabled relatively unskilled hackers to carry out more effective access and information gathering operations by lowering the barrier of entry to novice cybercriminals, hackers for hire and hacktivists. We've seen scams and cyber attacks for decades, but scammers and other cybercriminals have often struggled to dupe their victims due to poor use of grammar and give away spelling mistakes in their emails and texts, especially if the attackers were not native speakers of the language being used to target victims. I'm sure we've all had a few dodgy messages. I constantly get ones about Joff Shiner, which always makes me laugh, uh, and how he wants some gift cards. Mm. <laughs> I can't quite remember when his birthday is, but I do think I'm going to send him a gift card just for my own amusement. Nice. Oh, I should check it out, actually. I was, I was just thinking about it. <laughs> We should. We should group together and get him a gift card. Interestingly, other security researchers have questioned just how beneficial current artificial intelligence technology might be for cybercriminals crafting attacks. In December 2023, a study was released finding that the efficiency of phishing emails was the same regardless of whether they were written by a human or artificial intelligence chatbot, which is what we're really talking about here is large language models, right? Like things that can write for you like ChatGPT. What is clear, however, is that that publicly available AI tools like ChatGPT have made it practically child's play to generate not only believable text, but also kind of images, audio, and even some deepfake videos that can be used to further kind of dupe people. The NCSC's report entitled The Near-Term Impact of AI on the Cyber Threat warns that the technology can be used by malicious hackers to identify high-value data for examination and exfiltration maximizing the impact of security breaches, essentially using these tools to convince people otherwise. 
the NCSC warns that by 2025, it believes that generative AI and large language models will make it difficult for everyone, regardless of their level of cybersecurity understanding, to assess whether an email or password reset request is genuine or to identify phishing, spoofing or social engineering attempts. In case you hadn't noticed, 2025 is quite close now, less than one year away. It's like the 47th of February, something like that. Um, while that's <laughs> really terrifying... We can also look at this in another way. If you try and spin this more positively, AI can also be used to enhance the resiliency of an organization's security through improved detection of threats, like malicious emails and phishing campaigns, and essentially making them easier to, to counteract. So I guess what we've concluded here is, as many people have, AI can be used for good and bad. But I do think it like is going to bring the bar up of things that people get confused by and, and that kind of dupe people. Yeah. I'm not sure if you guys saw the breaking news yesterday, because if we were playing Prices Right, the NCSC would have lost because they went over with their 2025 guess. Because yesterday, a Hong Kong firm reportedly was tricked by a simulation of multiple people in a video chat, and they were convinced to perform a $25 million wire transfer in the first-of-its-kind AI heist, oh. um, as reported on Ars Technica yesterday. That is bonkers. Wow. Yes. A multinational company in Hong Kong sent... 200 million Hong Kong dollars, about 25.6 million U.S. in a scam featuring deep fake technology, featuring a recreated version of the company's chief financial officer, along with other employees who appeared in a video conference call instructing an employee to transfer the funds. Oh, yikes. Who transfers 25, what was it, 25 million? 25 million dollars. In one transaction. Like, at least do, like, one and then check that they got it, right? Like... Without, like, verifying it? Like, that's bananas. Oh, my goodness. Where's the verification on that? This poor employee, though, thinks they did verify it. They did what they were supposed to do because, like, it would be like, I'm on a call with you and you, and you're both fake. I can't go back there again. (laughs) (laughs) Not again. That's why it's so important not to record ourselves. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Rue's video is currently so blurry for me that he looks like one of those Vision Pro views of someone on FaceTime. So I think he almost could be deepfaked. God, if I was if I was going to be deep faked, I wouldn't be using it for this. Let me tell you, <laughs> you'd be getting some twenty five million dollar wire transfers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. Oh my goodness! All right, I think it's probably time to get into my guest chat this week. As I recently got the chance to sit down with Jason E Street. Some of you might know Jason from his Wired YouTube video, which made the rounds a few months ago, where he answered some of the most popular penetration testing questions from Twitter. So we thought it'd be a great idea to get him on the show and pick his brains around the kinds of social engineering attacks he's done in the past. He definitely did not disappoint with some of the wild hacking stories he shared. So I think we'll just drop it in here for you all to enjoy. So today I'm delighted to be joined by notorious hacker and expert security consultant Jason E. Street. Although he'd rather people simply refer to him as a hacker, helper, and human. Jason is also the author of the Dissecting the Hack series, an adversary for hire, a DEF CON group's global ambassador, and the VP of InfoSec for Sphere NY. He has successfully robbed banks, broken into hotels, government facilities, biochemical companies, and accidentally broke into a shark tank. Jason, it is great to have you on the show today. Uh, Where do we even begin? How about with a how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. And I do have to do an update because uh, things have changed recently. So it's like I am now the chief adversarial officer for Secure Yeti. Oh, nice. Moving on up. It's like I went from a, you know, a lowly VP to like, I am chief adversarial officer. That is uh, very exciting. I'm all for the unique job titles. So like really well done on that one. It's very good. Companies always, they always like, yeah, you can come up with your own title. And I'm like, oh, challenge accepted. (laughs) Uh, My last job was chief chaos officer. I like to come up with unusual titles. That's really, really good. Okay. How about you give us a little bit of background on yourself and maybe talk about how you got into penetration testing in the first place. I lived a very uneventful life up until around 25. It's like it wasn't much of one. Came from a very like bad childhood, very traumatic, stuff like that. So high school dropout, used to live behind a dumpster when I was homeless as a teenager. It's like and then got into physical security for law enforcement, got tired of getting shot at, got into desktop support and doing IT support back in 95 or 96 because you know I'm old and then 
in 2000, I found out that you could do security and computers. I was like, what? It's like it was the VP of this uh, <laughs> internet bank who had, who hired me over into network security. His name was Tim Smith. I owe all my success to him. Got me going. And so for the first 10 years, I would say, of doing, I started out in Blue Team. And I always tell people to do Blue Team. So I started out for like the first 10 years, I was doing defensive. And then I realized I have to start testing the things that I'm making. I made all my defenses like if I was a hacker, just like the criminals would do. So I'm thinking of it like a hacker. It's like in the sense that it's like, ooh, let me see if I can go outside the box, figure out what they're going to do, and then try to put something up there in front of it. And uh, So around 2009, 2010, I was working for a bank at the time, and I started testing our defenses, and then that's when I discovered I was really good at robbing banks. And so I started doing that more and more and doing consulting. I branched out to robbing hotels and research facilities and government facilities and just like all these places all over the place. And then in 2016, I started a thing that's never been done before, but it's like I started doing security awareness engagements where I use red team tactics, but as for educational purposes. Because I like to say it's like, and one of the things I love about Secure Yeti is that they believe in this too, is that it's about education, not exploitation. It's about educating them so they can become better. Mm. The red team only exists to make the blue team better. It's like we're there to help validate their security and build them up and teach up to them what they need to do, not just try to like tear them down and break stuff. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. That sort of interplay between the two groups is really is really interesting and really smart to sort of hear that mm. take on it. That yeah, it's not it's not just a competition and and you're not just in it for fun, but for everyone to get better. Exactly. All right. So, boy, you've done a lot. Can you walk us maybe a little bit through like your process for for penetration testing? Like what what kinds of things does this entail for you? I mean, I'm sure the ultimate goal is obviously getting in and and sort of getting the prize, but how do you approach this stuff? Honestly, that's not always the goal. I guarantee my clients on a contract before I even start the contract, it's like I guarantee them that I will get caught during the engagement. Interesting. I make sure to get caught because once again, I'm not trying to break this stuff. I'm trying to teach them what these things are because it's like if we give them a report and it's like, oh, I just destroyed everything. I broke into it. That's going to get back to the employees just that they failed. So I always give them, I mean, literally, I've had to work at giving wins, okay? But I make sure that everybody wins at least once. So it's like, that's something, okay, yeah, we have to work on these things. But hey, look at Ann. It's like, she didn't open up the door for him. She questioned him. She, she checked his ID. It didn't work out right. She reported it to security, and he got caught. And now they have something to look up. It's like, so they can go, yeah, I let them in and I let them plug in the device. But at least Ann got them, you know? It's like, you know, so it's like, so it makes it a little bit more of a positive thing. So when I look at these engagements, it's like, there are so many red teamers that are so focused on winning and so focused on like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to punch them in the face and see if they got put all that kind of toxic masculinity. That's all throughout red team. Unfortunately, it's like, and my whole thing is I don't want them to see sophistication. I want to show them how bad the situation really is. I've got a video that I did at a talk. My favorite one was in Salt Lake city at a uh, Saint con in 2022, where I literally Walk through on video, you see through a hidden camera from walking into the front door, never been in that building before, didn't know any of the people's names, didn't know the bank wasn't really technically open at the time. They were still on their lunch break. Walk in from walking to the front door, just yellowing it to compromising the first machine, 15 seconds. <laughs> wow. Finish the attack in under 30 seconds. An employee did the right thing and stopped me, but then allowed me to do a sort of an interception of the conversation where she thought that I was going to just be honest when I talked to the manager. So she escorted me like she should have over to the manager's office. So the manager saw that I was there waiting, but there was someone else in the office. And then she believed me when I said, I'll talk to him. It's like, and, and dismissed her and she left. 
So then I went into the manager's office and assumed the role of like, oh, I'm here with the help desk. We're trying to make the network faster. And then he escorted me to every other machine, 100% compromise of every machine in that branch, including the wire transfer computer and the network servers. He gave me full access to everything. And he walked with me to do all that. Wow. It's like someone had their workstation unlocked. It's uh, locked. And he got them to, to come over and unlock it for me. And on my way out, it's like we also compromised a girl who did the right thing, who was a good employee. But her manager was right there telling her that she had to let me compromise her machine. Oh, God, that's so rough. But it's simple. Yeah, exactly. It was literally, I just walked in with confidence. It's like, people need to stop. Everybody worries about zero days. It's like, oh, I got to worry about AI. I got to worry about like, you know, all this like blockchain and the kill chains coming in at us. And it's like, and it's like, we got all, and I'm like, you keep talking about, we need to secure low hanging fruit. And I'm like, screw the freaking tree. Okay. Get the fruit off the ground. You ain't ready for the low hanging fruit. You got fruit rotten on the ground. Pick that stuff up. Do some proper asset management. Do some proper patch management. But see, that's work. That's foundational stuff. And the one thing people forget about foundations is they suck. They're ugly. They take a lot of work. You got all that concrete. It's like they're never pretty. They're always, you got to always recheck it to make sure that it's not shifting, to make sure it's not cracking, to make sure it's still stable. It can change at a heartbeat. It's like, it's not pretty. But you can't have that pretty house on top if you don't have a good foundation below it. That's the hard part. We want to keep looking at all these other things that we're supposed to be defending against when it's the simple stuff of like someone walking in off the street. As someone being able to send an email and cost a company $300 million. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. That focus on the fundamentals. I mean, you you hear it in lots of different topics, right? From exercise to something like this, like focus on the fundamentals. And you're right, like you have to keep practicing and drilling and rechecking every, you know, every so often to make sure that people still have those fundamentals. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, we do that here, right? Like it has been interesting to watch the results of that here internally as like sometimes we'll get an email that'll go out and people will jump into into a slack channel and be like hey i just got this email asking me to do this thing is this legit like are we actually doing this and it's like yes nice that's the behavior that we want to see not just like a, oh yeah absolutely the ceo emailed me clearly he needs me to send him some credentials because he lost his phone or something right so and i love that because what you talked about is something that i am starting to like get more and more adamant about is because that's not security awareness. That's situational awareness. When you have employees that are more situationally aware to question and feel empowered, and they're educated enough to like and empowered to actually question things that are going on and feel comfortable talking to security, it's like without them thinking that they're going to bite their heads off or like, you know, embarrass them, that creates not security awareness. It creates situational awareness in your employees. And it's like, and that's what we need more of because security awareness is gone. It's like, it's dead. It's like, yeah, we get a a month in October, you know, which is perfect. And it fits perfectly because just like Halloween, you got to talk about the boogeyman. And then it's like, you forget about them. It's like halfway through the month is over. You're already working about, you know, getting those Christmas phishing emails and people clicking them. So you got to create that situational awareness. And that's important. It's like getting the employees and encouraging them when they say that looks odd. It may be okay, but I'd rather run it by you first and have you look at it first. That's what you need to encourage. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that was a pretty straightforward infiltration on your part. Just walk in and act like you belong there. Most of them are. Are there are there some that you can recall that like you've you've really had to do your research. You've had to sort of dig into the social engineering aspect of it and try and like monitor patterns and, and things like that. Any anything unconventional even that you've had to do or see? Yes. One time I was robbing an institution in New York City It was like literally right across the street from Ground Zero. It was in the financial district. It was very high security. They did not expect me to get in. And that is the reason why I still say to this day, the only thing worse than no security is a false sense of security. Mm. Because they had like canine 
SWAT kind of police officers patrolling the mall and the, the lobby areas and stuff in these complexes. They had like four to like six security guards. It's like in the elevator lobby. Before you went up to the lobby of the building, to the office that you needed to go to, you had to bypass them first. You had to get your, show them your driver's license. You had to show them your ID and get a picture ID name tag with your picture on it before you were allowed to go through the metal detectors to get to the elevator to go up to the lobby. So I went in on the first day. People forget lobbies are not there to be pleasant. Stop trying to make lobbies pleasant. Lobbies are there to get a person in so they can say that they're there and then they can go up. Okay. Starbucks love them as a criminal. I love them. Okay. Or assimilated criminal. I'm not, I'm not really the bad guy. Remember the kittens. Uh, It's like, but it's literally, you get this whole thing where it's like, I can sit down. It's like put in a, a malicious access point. It's like, I can try to see if I can do some like, taking pictures of people's IDs so I can make a copy of it or, or cloning it with a proxy. I mean, those are all sophisticated things that I wouldn't do, but it's like, but they sound cool and scary. And that's why you, you got to tell clients. So it makes them go, Oh, that could happen. But the key thing is I was doing all this and I was looking through all this stuff and I went up to them to try to see if I could get a job interview. It's like, I told them there's for a job interview. That's when I realized they don't even play like that. It's like, they were like, nope, you have to call ahead. You're supposed to like have, be on a name. It's like to get a job application. It's like, so I'm like, okay. And then I stayed around a little bit. And so then the next day I go in and you always try to attack people in office buildings when they have building security between the hours of four and six, because I used to do physical security at first building security and the seven to three shift. That's your A team. That is the veterans. Those are the people that are on the ball. Those are the people that know everybody because they've got seniority. The midnight, the 11 to 7 shift, oh, yeah, those are the people that you just like, let's just keep you out here away from human contact and stuff, you know, and hope for the best, okay? It's like, because trust me, and I'm not saying that disparagingly, (laughs) I guess, because it's like I used to work the midnight shift. It's like a lot. It's like... (laughs) But then the three to 11 shift, that sucks because that's there goes your evening. Yeah. So who gets that shift? The new people, the new hires, the ones that aren't set in the patterns, the ones that don't know everybody, the ones that don't understand exactly what the flow patterns are going to be like. So I showed up back the next day around 430 in the afternoon and they were having a meeting upstairs and there was another guy that was waiting to get up there too so i just go and i talked to one and i did another crosstalk attack like i did with the manager it's like i talked to one security person and then i talked to the other one and they saw me talk to that person and it's like and then they made my id and did my badge and then i was talking to the one guy who was actually legitimately going to this place i just struck up a conversation with them like oh you're going up there too yeah I was like so it made it look like we were together So then when the receptionist comes down, because they literally come down to escort you up, she made the assumption that we were together. And so as soon as we get up into the elevator and we get up to their floor, into that lobby area, I say, I got to go to the restroom. It's like, so I'll meet you in there, into the conference room. So I go, I see an open door that goes to the mail room. There's an unlocked computer there, compromised the first machine already. So I've already compromised their network. Wow. And then I just go in. I bypass it. The receptionist has already seen me, but I don't go into the conference room first. It's like I immediately go to the right. And the first thing that you try to do is you try to get to the break room. It's like people don't realize this. I don't attack people over social engineering. I attack human nature. It's like literally how people operate. Being on the spectrum It's like I had to be raised to like try to watch people and figure out how normal people work because they're terrifying. And so you have to go to the break room because when you start breaking into a place or you start doing something that you're like, know that might be wrong, even though you know you're supposed to be there, without your control, your adrenaline starts pumping. Now, when your adrenaline starts pumping, it doesn't matter how calm you're trying to act. 
you're going to be thinking different and moving different because you're going to be more on edge. Your breathing changes. You're showing everybody around you that you are in fight or flight mode. And that's not what you want to do. You immediately go to a break room. You pull out a candy bar that you brought with you. Or if it's really cool, you can steal one from there. I've stolen cookies from someone who's hired me before. They're good cookies. Uh, But you eat. You eat first and then you drink some water. Because what happens is as soon as you eat, this is chemical, your brain registers that you're eating now. So therefore, you can't be in fight or flight mode if you're eating You must be in a safe spot. So it cuts the adrenaline manufacturing. It cuts it off. And so now you can start thinking again, thinking more clearly, seeing things more clearly, and then you finish uh, robbing everybody. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. Just to sort of like put all of that together of basically hacking your body to be like, no, no, it's okay. Like, I'm I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm at the watering hole. That's where I'm supposed to be. And and that's something that is just, that's just what I do. That is something that I didn't learn from a book. I didn't learn from someone teaching me how to rob places. That's just, to me, just understanding humans. That's why I'm so successful at robbing people on five different continents. It's like the biggest myth society tells us is different. There is no different. It's like, we're all humans. It's like, I don't care if you're in China, if you're in Singapore, Brazil, or Britain, guess what? You're the same people. Y'all still come up with the same assumptions. You still come up with the same kind of attitudes. You had the same kind of thing. It's like anywhere. And that's what I'm trying to rob. I'm not trying to rob your cultural identity. No, I am going in there, going after just human nature. Yeah. Yep. I'm curious to hear a story where you were just completely shut down at every turn where like where people did everything right oh thank you that is, i am so glad you, you said that because that to me was my biggest victory oh okay and no one talks about it enough it's like everybody wants to talk about me accidentally robbing a bank or something like that you know because it sounds cool but that was a fail that part robbing that bank was a fail my biggest success when you ask me is what you just said. I had robbed this place in 2019 and I destroyed them. They'd never had a red team engagement where they actually got up into their office area. And within 30 minutes, I was sitting at the person who hired us at his desk. (laughs) Uh, So when he came out of a conference meeting, it's like he sees me at his desk sitting down. It's like, and we, he had to go with me to, uh, take the badge that I stole off of someone's desk that gave me access to the whole place uh, and give it back to them. It was bad. It was bad, right? But that's not the story. What happened afterwards, companies do not pay you to break in and show them all their flaws. They're getting free pen tests every day on the hour. It's like they're paying for the report. They're paying for you to communicate why these changes need to happen. They are paying you to impart to management the importance of making these changes. That's what you're getting paid for, not for doing all the destruction. Anybody can do that. So I did a report and I didn't do, I don't do like a, like a nice little written report. It's like I went in and I educate everybody right there on the spot. I educated the management on the spot about what was going on, how I was able to do these things. I had security go on a walk with me where they stayed a little bit further away and watched as I compromised some people live and their just jaws dropped. It's like, and I've done that with executives in other countries as well. It's because it makes that impression. January in 2020, I went and I had to go back to this assignment. I had to go back to this client. I changed my my appearance. It's like I knew it was going to be like more difficult. They, I might be recognized. It was a brand new receptionist. It's not even wasn't even the same receptionist. Didn't matter. I didn't get the f- in. Oh. I walk up like I own the place because I know exactly where it was because I'd been there before. I didn't even get to the stairs that's right there in that lobby before she's excuse me. Uh, you need to sign in. <laughs> it's like I'm like. How does she know I'm not a, uh, an employee? Because between that year, during their company all-hands meeting, the CEO spent 15 minutes 
on security. He only gets an hour a year to talk to all his employees. He spent 15 minutes of that talking about the responsibilities of employees for security awareness Hmm. and being secure, maintaining their security of their personal items and their computers and their cubicle space. And they also instituted lanyards that if you had a green lanyard, it's like you're an employee. If you had a red lanyard, you needed to be walked and escorted everywhere. And if you were a yellow lanyard, you were a contractor, but not trusted. I didn't know that at first. So I register, I put the name of the person I'm supposed to be working with. And then of course I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. It's like, I mean, it has to do a lot with the diet Pepsi that I drink, but also I always get lost going to the bathroom. (laughs) It's like, I always get lost. I always like, Oh, I'm not supposed to be in the server room. This isn't where the bathroom is. What happened? And that's actually happened before. (laughs) So just like on this occasion, it's like I go in and instead of turning left into the bathroom, I turned right down this hallway, compromised two machines right off the bat. And then, so I'm like technically successful. That didn't matter. But then there was a woman who was in her office. She sees me and I read body language and facial expressions. I could almost tell you the conversation she was having. She got on the phone and reported me because she knew I was sketchy AF. It was awesome. Wow. So I'm heading, I could have gone to the stairs. It's like, say I escaped, you know, and therefore I won. But no, that's not what it's about. So I start walking back up toward the receptionist office. The guy who was, I was there to meet had already was coming down the hallway because the reception reported that I deviated from the path because there was a camera right above the hallway that she gets to watch. And she saw that I went the wrong way. Oh, nice. And she reported it. And throughout that whole engagement, it's like in every section, even though I compromised every section in every section, someone stopped me. Someone said no. And that's including on the second day, because that night on the first night I went back in and I got the cleaning crew to let me in. I broke in and I stole all the lanyards. It's like I stole green ones and red ones and yellow ones and stuff. <laughs> so I had on the second day, I had a green lanyard. It's like, because those were cool. So, um, and, but they still questioned me and said, no, say, like, I'm not allowed anybody to plug anything into the computer unless I get an email from help desk. I did not get one. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll call them and verify and stuff, you know, but it's like, what's your name again? It's like, and see if they, they know you, but it's like, I've got to get it from help desk. And they wouldn't go with any number that I gave them. It had to be the extension number that they know. And I was, it was awesome. I had so much ice cream that day. It's like, I like, cause I celebrate with ice cream. <laughs> it's like, and that was the biggest celebration. Cause if you're not celebrating the success of your clients, you suck. <laughs> you're not there to break it. You're there to validate. I validated that their security programs were working because even though I was successful, I was not successful for more than 15 minutes without someone stopping me. And that's what we forget. Humans make mistakes, but they correct it. And someone reports it. You're dealing with a 15-minute breach versus a five-month breach. That's important because we can't prevent. We need to stop trying to build defenses as walls. What you need is how quickly you can detect and how quickly and effectively you can respond. That is the deal breaker for a company that is going to survive a breach or not, because you got to know it first to be able to protect against it. And so when they get that, when they work on that part of it, that's where they they succeed. So you've been pretty explicit with us talking today about the fact that it's the fruit on the ground. Like, is that, is that the same message that you deliver in the same way to these companies of like, it's not going to take me more than two hours to find a way in. Like you have to understand that it's the fundamentals that you need to work on. It's very simple. It's like there's two methods showing the importance of situation awareness. Have you ever worked in an office building? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Fire drills. Remember the fire exercise that you had to go through where they did the alarms and everything like that? Yeah. You know what that did? That showed you that could happen. That was real for you at that moment. Police officers, it's like they go through shooting exercises and shooting 
routines and shooting practice in situations where they may have to like go through a door. Yeah. Yep. So what you do is you show the employees by showing them what kind of information you can find out about the company or the places or things through social media, show them what a successful phishing attack would look like. Not one of these easy uh, 419 scams, you know, that was real popular in the 2000s, but it's like, show them like what a spear phishing or like something coming from the CEO, show them how easy it is to make a deep fake a video of, of the CEO, which cost one company $35 million recently. So show them those things. Yeah. Show them how companies have actually lost money. Show them how companies lost employees because of these kind of attacks. And when it becomes real, that's when it makes the impact. That's when it becomes situational awareness. And the second part is gamify it. People think that security, because of our failing, that security is something that they have to do extra because we haven't taught them and explained to them that's part of your job responsibility is securing this place. So what you do is you gamify it. And then how about this that we add this to it every quarter. So it's a fixed price. You have a raffle. You ask your company for 4,000 euros every year. It's like no more, no less. And then every quarter, whoever has the most bounty money from that quarter gets that $1,000 gift card. <laughs> it's like, or you can also do a point system. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, you reported a spear phishing attack or a regular phishing attack. That's five points. It turned out to be a real phishing attack. That's 20 points. Yeah. It was one of our practice tests. That's 10 points. You escorted someone to security and security noted that you walked someone to security when, because they didn't have a badge. That's 50 points. And each one of those points is an entry into the raffle. Yeah. Yep. It's like, and that makes your security better. They still don't care about your data. <laughs> right. But now there's something in it for them. Yeah, exactly. Now there's something in it for them. Now they're doing security, not because it's their job responsibility like it is, but now they realize that they can personally benefit from being more secure. Right. Yeah. Social engineer your employees to be better at <laughs> preventing social engineering. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's really, really good. Jason, this has been this has been a fun, a fun chat. I do appreciate you making the time for us. Like truly, truly, what a great way to kick off the day. Is there anywhere that people should go to find out more about you? Well, my main like, you know, Wikipedia site is jasonestreet.com with a Y, J Y S O N E Street. And then uh places where I go is hackeradventures.world. Oh, I got a new one called Simulated-Adversary, which sort of explains what I do for a living. And then uh, I live tweet my life on Twitter. It's my diary. So nice. I, I cannot endorse, condone, or you know, encourage anybody going there and watching my timeline. Okay? Cause, <laughs> but that was a lot of ways to just say, you know, Twitter at your own risk. Wow. I talk a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time today, and have a good one. Thank you very much. Okay, with that, I think it's time for Security Blank. Oh, is this our new game? That's a bot. That's pretty good. Okay, I have OK Go and the Muppets. Yeah. At the same time. Have you seen the OK Go Muppets video? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is like vibe right there. I'm going to have to go watch that. God, it's so good. Oh, I'm ready to go. Absolutely not related to Blankety Blank, the British TV program. <laughs> oh. Which we had a couple people asking about that, actually. We Did had we? a couple people writing in. Yes, I actually got to reply to them. They were writing in to say, is this inspired by Blankety Blank? And I was like... No, it is not. But good job on the UK specific. So we do have some very dedicated UK based listeners who are tuning in just for you, Matt. I love that. Kind of did base it on blankety blank a little bit. Oh, I lied then. But it's fine. We, we made it our own thing. <laughs> so this is our new game for the season, which we unveiled on the Christmas special. 
So you consider that kind of a warm-up round. We also have a very special jingle, which we played. <laughs> I've got notes here that says it may or may not be a parody of something. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> so the rules of the game are simple. I will read out some recent security news headlines with one or multiple words blanked out. So, Rue and Sarah, you will guess which words are missing from a headline. We're giving multiple choice answers, but I'm going to ask for open answers to begin with. Comedy answers can apply. So, hopefully it's not too difficult. The first news headline we have is, takes your blank, blames you when a criminal steals it, can't spot cyber attacks for five months. Takes your blank, blames you when cyber criminals steal it, can't spot a cyber attack for five months. Any any first ideas? Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> uh, Grandma's like it. Nice. <laughs> okay. Here's the four answers that we have. A, bank details. Takes you bank details. B, DNA. Takes you DNA. C, Nana's problematic musical manuscript. Or D, dating history. I got it. I mean... Yeah, banking, right? It's got to be your banking details. Or is it DNA? Or I'm going to take I'm going to take your first answer there, Sarah. I'm sorry. Thank you. Good. Ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Ex-girlfriend. Uh, it is it is DNA. So it's the DNA. It takes your DNA. It takes your DNA, blames you when criminals steal it. Blames you for it? So you took my first answer so I was wrong? Unfortunately so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Any ideas on the on the company that's referenced in this headline? Give it to us one more time. Takes your DNA, blames you when criminals steal it, and can't spot a cyber attack for five months. Uh, 23 and me. Yes. I don't think we're doing bonus points, but that was a good answer. No, thanks. <laughs> we better not be doing bonus points. <laughs> also known as suck-up points. I was all like, at least we're still tied. <laughs> okay. Okay, question two. The majority of people are more worried about online fraud than blank. Comedy answers. Any ideas? Majority of people are more worried about online fraud than blank. Climate change. Grandma's locket. <laughs> grandma's locket. Is everything going to be grandma's? I'm waiting for you to be yeah. like on the Titanic. Yeah. You're going to have to be on the Titanic at some point with like, <laughs> it's been so many years. <laughs> so the majority of people are more worried about online fraud than a burglary. How do you, wait, sorry. Is that how you say that word? No, try again. Bugalry. I, I can't say it without thinking of a Scottish person trying to say the word bugalry. <laughs> <laughs> I was a victim of bugalry. <laughs> this stays in. This stays in. I like it. Do the rest of the show with that accent. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, right. Okay. Sorry. Where were we? Uh, majority of people are more worried about online fraud than A, bugalry. <laughs> <laughs> Burglary. Burglary. Burglar burglary. Yep, sure. C climate change. Uh no, that was B. C I'm not a good host today. I apologize. C terminal illness. Uh D day old stale kale. Majority of people more worried about online fraud than what do we think? Burglary, climate change, terminal illness. Terminal illness or day old stale kale. I wanna say A, just so you have to say burglary again, but I got to go with my my guest answer, which is climate change. I know. Sarah went climate change. I'm going to go burglary. <laughs> Just to show you can Next. say burglary? Yes. <laughs> to prove I can say it. It is burglary. What? <laughs> more people, Woo! majority of people, are wor more worried about online fraud than burglary. There we go. Now I'm disappointed in Anna. I thought for sure she put that word in there just to mess you up, but... No, turns out that was just you being lucky. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there we go. Okay, this next one. 48,000 companies sent Facebook data on, what do we think? WhatsApp. Facebook. No, it's on Facebook. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a weird rant. Okay, uh, 48,000 <laughs> companies sent Facebook data on A, employees by accident. 48,000 companies sent Facebook data on B, a single person. C, Taylor Swift's perfection. 48,000 companies sent Facebook data on Taylor Swift's perfection. Or D, 48,000 companies sent Facebook data on confidential metadata. So I thought it was like the transport medium. Like how did 48,000 companies, what did they use to transport data? 
which is why I said they, they used Facebook to transport data on Facebook. I got to go with D because it's the only one that's like, I want to be like Taylor Swift because you got to find ways to do mass promotion. Like you got to get it in there every way you can. But it's got to be that one. I'm not sure whether Anna was trying to do like a pun here and I've messed it up of like confidential metadata. What, wait, sorry. Yeah. What was the what were the first and the second answers? So A, employees by accident. It's that one. B, a single person. C, Taylor Swift's perfection, or D, confidential metadata. Oh, I know. I'm going to say a single person. Okay. Answers locked in. I don't know why I didn't take your first answer there, Bro. Sorry. I, I've got mixed standards here. That's fine. It is, it is B, a single person. <laughs> Whoa. Hold on. You don't get ta- his first answer doesn't count. He gets to change his mind. That's because I... I you give me I, the I, obvious hint that Anna <laughs> made up the meta information. I can't change mine. Like... All right. It's okay. I know we want to start the year with Rue winning. I get it. I, I get it. I couldn't remember what Rue's first answer was. It's good for the ego. It's good for the ego. It's fine. It's all right. Okay. I see how it goes. Good for the ego. Bad for all of you. <laughs> Question number four. ChatGPT spit out blank when told to repeat a poem forever. A. Sensitive data. B. Explicit content. C. A profanity-laden rap about passwords. Or D, an AI doomsday warning. That'd be quite terrifying. I, I want it to be that last one. They were they just asked it to repeat the same thing over and over again? Yeah. ChatGPT spit out blank when told to repeat poem forever. The last one. <laughs> it's D. D. I gotta go with, it's either an A or a B on this one. I, all I can think about is Sherry Lewis and the, this is the song that never ends. Like, I'm, I'm picturing it, putting the lyrics oh. to that on there like if any of you have ever experienced that with lamb top and um mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. know if you don't know you don't know and i don't know anything about what you're talking about don't google it because you'll be stuck there forever it never ends i i don't know I, i'm gonna go with b because why not i can't remember what b was you went with b yeah i couldn't remember what they were i'm really you went with d <laughs> yeah. unfortunately both the wrong answer it was explicit content which i didn't think i said b b is explicit content Oh no! Sorry, said- it's it's a sensitive data. <laughs> oh my god! What is happening? I'm not a good host today. I I apologize oh in advance. My. Uh, ah. This is really something. No points, but Rue wins on two points. Uh, Woohoo! <laughs> so excited. I think we need to uh, work out how to play this game a bit better. Yeah, I agree. Blankety blank blank blank. <laughs> <laughs> Blankety blank blank blank. All right. With that, I think it's plain to say, uh, love you both. Love you both. Love you both. And goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.